and this is the art of less doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Hey, it's Ari Mizell. Welcome to the Less Doing, More Living podcast. Nine years ago, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, a little-known, extremely painful, and seemingly incurable disease, which forced me to go down a long road of radical transformation so that I could reduce stress and win back a normal life for me and my family. While extremely painful, Crohn's was the best thing that ever happened to me because it forced me to innovate and create the less doing, more living system, which I used to govern my life. Then I was given the gift of starting to teach this system to other people. And over time, I was able to help more and more people through a video course, this podcast, and the Less Doing, More Living book. Now I have the privilege of working with some of the world's top business minds, including Dean Jackson, Joe Polish, Dave Asprey, and Jordan Harbinger, who have all decided to join me for the first annual Less Doing Live Summit that I'm holding in New York City from May 1st through 3rd. To get more information on the Less Doing Live Summit, you can go to the URL lessdoinglive.com. Or you can also find links to the event on our main site, lessdoing.com. Now, enjoy today's podcast. And if you listen to the end of the show, I am going to give you more information on this event, as well as a way you can earn a free copy of my book, Less Doing, More Living. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Less Doing podcast. This is your host, Ari Mizell. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because I'm trying something that I haven't done in a long time, and that is to host the podcast by myself. No co-host today at all. Uh, Felix is traveling to London with his family, and timing-wise, it just didn't work for somebody else to record. But I actually thought it was funny because Dave Rail tends to be my my go-to for a backup co-host because he does such a great job and he's always got really interesting insights. But this podcast is an interview with Dave Rail, so it would have been weird, I guess, or or very meta to have him as the co-host on us. So. We're going to try this solo. I, this is how I used to do it when I first was doing the podcast. The first, I don't know, 30, 40, maybe 50 episodes were like this before I actually had a co-host. So if you love it, please let me know. If you hate it, please let us know. All right. So the interview, as I said, was Dave Rail. We're going to be talking about his new podcast automation software, which he has alluded to many times as the guest co-host on the show. But today we're going to interview him in depth about what it does, how it works, and how you can use it. So first, let's get to the links. Now, the first one that is I, I found is called Talk to Chef, talktochef.com. Now, of course, as usual, all these links will be in the show notes. So Talk to Chef is interesting. It, it goes with these on-demand services for knowledge. So you can use something like Fountain, which I think I've mentioned before, where you can get on-demand access to an expert who can help you with gardening and home problems. So if you have a leaky pipe, you can get them on, show them. There's also, of course, Doctors on Demand, which is pretty specific. You know, if you have a medical problem or a skin thing or something you want to show the doctor, you can do it right away. So this is Talk to Chef. And it's the same kind of thing, but it's so that you can talk to professional chefs on demand. And let's say you don't know what the perfect temperature is to cook a turkey, maybe, or you don't know how to, you know, if you're cooking two different things and you want to make sure you do it the right method, basically, whatever the cuisine, the cooking method, or the diet, they can instantly connect you with a chef that can help you with your questions. So 
I'm not sure if you're necessarily going to do this while you're cooking, but you can do it maybe right before when you're planning a meal. And it's actually funny because this made me think of an episode of The West Wing where the president needed to know how to cook a turkey with certain stuffing in it. And Butterball Turkey actually has an 800 number around Thanksgiving time where you can call 24 hours a day to ask your, cook your turkey cooking related questions. So this just made me think of that. Now the next link is from Greatest, and I, I love the website Greatest. They have an article called The 11 Science-Backed Reasons You Need to Get a Puppy Right Now. And I have two dogs. I have a, a Boston Terrier named Oscar and a Jack Russell Terrier named Siva. Siva because he is my wife's dog originally and my wife is French, and Siva is a French name. Uh, but there's 11 reasons here. One of them, which I thought was really good, is that they're good for your heart. Snuggling up with your pup can warm your heart, and it's actually shown research with the American Heart Association that it can have a measurable reduction in your risk of getting cardiovascular disease. Some dogs are actually able to sniff out cancer, which is pretty amazing, and they've actually trained dogs to do this, to sniff out uh, melanoma and other types of cancers, odors that we might give off that where dogs' noses are about a million times more sensitive than ours, and even more sensitive than a lot of equipment that you might have, or that might exist, they can actually sense that kind of stuff. Dogs will lower your stress level, your blood pressure. To me, that's a pretty badass biohack. Get yourself a dog and start being healthier. <laughs> uh, there was a, a new device I found called Spec. And, you know, I, I'm always talking about tracking in different ways. And a lot of the stuff we track has to do with your own body and your own movements. But there's more and more of these things that track your environment. And Spec is basically a monitor for your home air quality. So you might have your HEPA air filter or you might live in the country and have really great air, but this actually will sample the air and it will give you a really accurate and real-time readout of how much basically pollution there is in your air, how much the particles are, and that might give you some really useful information on how you can eliminate that. You can also use it in different rooms to see if there are particular rooms that have trouble areas, if you have mold sensitivities. These are the kind of things that you may not necessarily think about, but air pollution can have a profound effect on the way that you, your, your energy levels, your sleep, your mood even. So it's pretty cool to have this on a very consumer level. Now the next thing is an app from Evernote called Scannable. So with the Evernote app, one of the nice things about it is you can scan documents and it will recognize the document and correct it. You can scan receipts. You can scan business cards. Uh, and that's all within the app and you have to identify what you're scanning. Scannable is a separate app that basically makes it the fastest possible way to scan a document into Evernote and it automatically recognizes what it is. So it knows if it's a business card or a receipt. Uh, if it is a business card, it will read the contacts, add those contacts to your your contacts on your phone, and it will uh, even give you an automatic uh, intro on LinkedIn. So basically, this is like the, the desktop versions of the smart scanners for Evernote that recognize the type of document and will put it into the right place for you. So basically, they claim this is the fastest way to scan something into Evernote. Pretty cool. Now, there's an article over at Mark's Daily Apple called The Definitive Guide to Nuts, and nuts are a good fat. Uh, they're a good source of fats, something like almonds, Brazil nuts, and uh, cashews, and walnuts. Uh, and basically, I'm not going to go into this in too much detail because you really need to check it out, but basically it shows you all the health, the, the nutritional statistics on each kind of nut, such as like cashews have 69% of the daily copper you need, 20% of magnesium, 50% of the zinc. This is, this is an ounce of nuts, but it also links to several studies on each of them, uh, like 
for cashew that shows that in one study a high cashew diet had very little effect on markers of metabolic syndrome but and actually made blood glucose go up so it's not all positive but it does give you studies and it actually lists the concerns so like the concerns for cashew is that cashew allergy is more prevalent than people think and it may even be more severe than peanut allergies cashew allergies often present with mango allergies, which is kind of amazing. Uh, also, it's easy to overconsume them because of the sweetness that you might experience with cashews. But one of the benefits, or one of the things that you want to do with nuts, with a lot of nuts, to make them more digestible, is to soak them. And it actually gives you soaking instructions. So for cashews, you'd soak them for two to four hours. And you could do that in water, you could do that in uh, milk, if you have like raw milk, for instance, or even apple cider vinegar. But basically, if you soak them, then they become much more digestible, and it helps break down some of the anti-nutrients that might be present in nuts. But it's a really, really comprehensive article, and I recommend you go check it out. Next, there is a new app called Ori, O-R-R-I, and this is from our friends over at Fancy Hands. And basically what this is, is paying for virtual assistants by the minute. Okay, so this is this is kind of a fascinating model for me. Basically, it's 34 cents per minute. There's no contracts, there's no monthly fees, whatever. It's and it's and unlike a lot of the other on-demand assistant models, they're not charging you a task whether it's 20 minutes or it's 2 minutes. Basically, most of these companies look at a task as something that takes up to 20 minutes, but if it takes 2 minutes, they still charge you for a task. Whereas Ori, which is from Fancy Hands, is doing on-demand assistance and it's pay as you go by the minute. And the cool thing about it for someone like me who would really geek out on this is that you actually can watch a live feed of the assistance activity. So in the article, the person asked them to do a Google travel search for uh, buses for a certain route, and six minutes and $2.14 later, they provided suggestions for the right bus. So uh, really interesting attack on this model as far as I'm concerned, and it's just making it that much easier for somebody to try a virtual assistant. And as I always say, I think that everybody at some point should work with a virtual assistant because it is a learning process for you in terms of how to effectively and more accurately basically convey your needs and communicate your, your requirements. Now the next one is called Gorgeous. And this is, it's email templates for Gmail. So I've talked about canned responses for a long time. Canned responses is now a built-in feature in the labs features of Gmail. And basically what it does is if you have emails that you send over and over again, you know, whether it's a, a sales email or maybe a customer service email or just simply your biography that somebody always requests, with canned uh, canned responses, you can basically just choose the one you want and it drops it into the email, which is great and I highly recommend it. What Gorgeous does, it takes it a step further and actually allows you to have variables in those templates. So for example, you could have, it, let's say you send information on uh, a product, maybe. So you can have the person's first name be a variable. You can have the URL for the product be a variable. So basically you can have the, the majority of the email templated and then just those two or three pieces of information that you have to change, or that can be auto-updated based on who you're sending the email to. So I, I really like this, and you can also share the templates with a team. So it's great for sales, this is great for customer service, and I've been playing around with it, and I really like it. Now, uh, the next one is a really odd one. This is called uh, Flytographer, and basically what it's doing is you're hiring a professional photographer 
for personal uses while you're traveling. Uh, and basically, so you can get those amazing vacation photos, essentially. So, you know, let's say you're, you're taking your family to, to Paris, and of course you can be taking pictures yourself and getting all those great selfies and whatnot, but you can actually hire a professional photographer to hang out with you for a couple hours and get really, really, really well done photos. Now, I know this sounds a little weird and maybe it's a little awkward, but this is not for a week at a time. They're not living with you. This is basically you'd be hiring the person for a couple hours for a key moment, just so that in the midst of those 100 or you know 200 random photos that you take that are real moments, you can also get somebody who is professionally able to take photos that really capture the the sort of the local sites and flavors and, and your family's time there. So, kind of a cool idea. And the uh, last one that I want to mention is called Letterly. Now, I feel like the last like five podcasts I've mentioned something that has to do with, with uh, sending handwritten letters, but they all have their own sort of like different twists to them, so I like to mention these. So send Letterly. Uh, I think it's $5 and you can send a, a letter or a card and you can actually choose the style of handwriting and you can schedule them ahead of time and it's just a good way that if you either have really bad handwriting or that idea of taking out a physical card and writing it stops you from doing it, then this is a really good option and cheap and easy. And oh, actually there's one more link that I want to talk about. This is an article of Bert Marcola. It's the eight most damaging ingredients to watch for on food labels. So there's there's so many things that they now, like artificial flavors is obviously bad in itself, but it can mean so many different things. Natural flavors actually can mean something not very good as well. Uh, there is a extract that is taken from the anal gland of beavers that is usually used as a vanilla flavoring, believe it or not. So, yes, and that is a natural flavor, of course. Uh, you want to watch out for things like preservatives, things like uh, like BHA and and... BHT, which is a butylated hydroxy anisole and a butylated hydroxy toluene. Uh, things like sodium benzoate, that's one you see a lot in soft drinks, fruit juices, salad dressings, pickles. Uh, and these things can be related to everything from hyperactivity to Parkinson's disease. So preservatives are something you want to watch out for. And then pretty much every food dye, every artificial color, whether it's blue 2 or yellow 5, all of those have been linked to something bad. So try to avoid those as much as you can. So there you go. Uh, I am right in the throes of preparing for the Less Doing Live event in May, which uh, I really hope to see some of you at. And again, this is it's been a while since I did a solo podcast like this. If you liked it, please let me know. And if you didn't, I'd love to hear that too. But this is not something I plan on doing regularly. It's just how the schedule worked out today. And I hope everybody enjoys the interview with Dave Rail. And now for Feature Interview. So now, welcoming back to the podcast, we have Dave Rail. So, Dave, you've been introduced a number of times on the on the podcast, usually as a co-host. Now you're in the hot seat. How you doing? Uh, I'm just excited to uh, to get this perspective of the show. Yeah, cool. So, Dave, you know, for those who have not been listening before, Dave is a member of the Less Doing Mastermind. He's also a very skilled software developer, and he's created a piece of software to help make the lives of podcasters significantly easier. And also, probably to help a lot of those people who are considering launching podcasts because they have such amazing stuff to share, but they don't know how to do it, uh, he's going to make it easier for them to do that as well. So today we're going to be talking about Podcast Done, which is a great name, by the way. Nice. I, yeah, I, I, I'm really excited about it. 
Okay, so first of all, why don't we talk a little bit about you actually and your software development history and how we, how you got to to here? Sure. Okay. So um, I uh, right out of college, I decided that I didn't want a job and I wanted to go and be a teacher. So I, I had a degree in physics and decided that I wanted to go teach. Uh, I did all of the uh, classes for for getting my teacher's license, except for student teaching. And then they said, "Well, hey, you know, why don't you uh, not have a job during the time that you do student teaching?" And I thought, "Well, that's that's fine, except I kind of like to eat." So I decided to put student teaching on hold for a little while and get a job. And uh, this was this was. Uh, 1998, I guess it was, or, or 99. Uh, uh, and so at, at this point, you know, the, the dot-com boom was in full swing, and uh, they'd pretty much hire anybody as a, as a programmer. So I wound up getting a job doing software. You know, I'd, I'd written code in, in my uh, engineering and physics uh, degree, but I hadn't really ever done any enterprise-type development. So it was kind of learn on the job and, and become a software guy. And then uh, here, uh, I guess about a decade and a half later, you know, here I am. I've been um, a professional developer. For, for many years, and then I got promoted into being an architect. Uh, so you know, I kind of got to have my name on the design of the system, and you know, get to tell developers what to do, and mostly sit in a chair and, and just kind of you know talk to a business and decide what things were, were supposed to happen. So uh, it's been a, a long progression of things, and right now I'm just trying to solve problems with software, which is really what I'm good at and what I like doing. Solving problems with software, I like that. Better living through science. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. What, what? Okay, now I, I, I will link to this in the show notes. But I gave a a talk at Joe Polish's Genius Network event about my podcast production process, which involves about seventeen or eighteen different steps with Fiverr and IFTTT and Zapier and virtual assistants from Fancy Hands and Sort My Box and a whole bunch of other things, and it works really well for me, and I was very proud of it. But you've taken that taking it to the next level and integrated it all into one offering, right? So let's talk about the different components of a podcast. You know, what are the different steps? Like what are the different aspects of it? Well, obviously, first and foremost, there is audio, right? We, we don't have any podcast if we don't have some audio medium to listen to. And so uh, recording audio is, is the first piece of the thing. And that's something that my product is not actually taking care of yet anyway. Um, it's it's uh, I, I start once we have recorded audio and, um, and if there's going to be editing to that audio, that that has happened. Um, so we're taking an audio file that's that's been produced and... Uh, my software is now looking for new media in a directory, uh, either in uh, Google Drive or Dropbox. So if you, as a podcaster, record your episode and put an audio file out there, then this is kind of the start of, of, the, of the flow of creating this thing, right? The first prerequisite, uh, getting back to your question there, uh, to having um, an, a podcast is to have an audio file. So once that thing happens, then you've got to have a feed. So a, a feed, uh, I think most of your listeners are probably at least somewhat familiar with this, but the idea is that uh, this is a, a piece of information that is sitting out on the internet that has all of the uh, episodes listed for a podcast, or not necessarily all of the episodes, but at least the recent ones. There, there are varying degrees of uh, different providers of feeds will allow certain sizes and things like that, but that, that's not really important to the story. The, the point is is, is that a feed gives you information about the episodes in a podcast and new episodes can be added into this feed.
feed. So with a feed, then we've we've got the information around what are the episodes of the, of this podcast. What what's some meta information about these things? Uh, things like you know what's the what's the duration and what's a description and, and titles and, and things like that. Um, and then it's got the, uh, the 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 link that is actually the location where to go to go and get that actual media itself. So I can go and download this audio file. And when I say I, that that would be me as as a podcast listener. And it's not necessarily me going and downloading stuff. It's uh, usually some uh, podcast listening software that, that, that uh, involves having a feed reader that will go and parse out these feeds, find all of the, uh, the latest episodes, and download those things for your listening pleasure. So if, you know, an audio file and a feed are, are kind of the first steps. Then uh, beyond that, there, there are some things that are really um, helpful to supporting a podcast, uh, things like blog posts. So um, having some show notes uh, is, is kind of the, the typical uh, lingo that people use, right? And that, that's something that you have on yours, having the time-stamped show notes uh, to, to show what's going on in the podcast, giving you a place where uh, listeners can go and find more information, click on links, you know, things that we're mentioning, uh, like, like podcastdone.com, right? That, that would be something that would be in a show notes that would be a, a link that would come to these people. So uh, a blog post is something that's, that usually goes along with a podcast. In addition, uh, feeds are usually built kind of off of uh, some sort of uh, software that also supports blogging. So it, it makes it kind of a nice uh, combination to have uh, both, a, both a blog post and, and a feed entry for, for a particular podcast episode. Another, th- another few things that might be uh, part of, of, of a podcast episode, some of these things probably get into the realm of being optional um, because it, it doesn't necessarily have to be there, right? You, you, you've got to have audio and have a feed in order to have a podcast and really not much else is essential. Um, blog posts are, are really really nice and most most podcasters are going to have those. Uh, in addition, you might have some some graphic arts, some some images associated with a podcast episode. You might have some um, in in some cases people might generate video off of their their podcast episodes. Uh, things that might be a slideshow, might the the actual images that you're seeing in, in the video might be uh, a slideshow of images going across as you're listening to the podcast audio. Um, so there there's things like that. Um, transcripts is another piece of that you know some podcasters have transcripts and don't I know you've gone back and forth on that as, as to whether you think it's worth it or not um, transcripts so that uh, it, it makes the uh, podcast episode searchable for, for one thing is is kind of one of the benefits of that in addition to being a resource for for readers so um, th- those are several uh, components that might go into you know what actually goes out there for a podcast and and what does the software actually look like? You know, I mean, this is running locally, and, or it's running web-based, or how do you how do you kick off the process? So my software is web-based. Um, t- to be a little bit more technical than that, I've got a component that uh, interacts with users, uh, podcasters, and potentially teams that they might have associated with their podcast. Um, and then I've got a background processing component that just runs on a server that really has no no user interface. It's just a, it, it's just a program that's running on a computer essentially, um, or multiple computers as as I grow this this application. Um, so the 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 initial user interface for this thing is really just a cloud storage folder. And it really doesn't have to be a whole lot more than that unless you're getting into doing a lot of the, the time-stamped show notes and uh, some some bigger meta information around podcasts. So uh, I have some web pages to be able to input some of, the, some of that timestamp information and to make it uh, a lot simpler to do timestamps. I, I saw a 
a demonstration when I started looking into doing this I was given a demonstration of of what a what a copywriter was doing for 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 a podcast that that was kind of uh, it's been kind of my sample for for building this thing and um, the the process was pretty convoluted it involved going and downloading the audio and he would start playing this audio inside of iTunes and then um, he would open up a text editor and would be manually noting down the timestamps for for whatever was happening in the audio and keying in a description next to those timestamps and then he had to go and take all of those timestamps and paste those into a, uh, a document in Google Drive and then uh, other team members were coming and copying and pasting that out into blog posts and, and things like that. Um, so I've created a user interface so that there's there's a, a page for the copywriter to go where he, um, first of all, it, it's, it starts playing the audio as soon as he loads the page. So the, the audio is playing without him having to download and manually play that thing. And he doesn't have to go to a text editor. He, he's, there's, there are some buttons on the screen so that he can say, all right, I want to mark a timestamp right now. And then it, it immediately prompts him to key in what's happening at this timestamp. Timestamp, excuse me. And so with, with the audio playing, I, I can pull in you know, what is the timestamp of this moment in time where he either – clicks that button in the user interface or I've got some keyboard shortcuts as well because I'm I'm fanatical about using the keyboard instead of instead of the mouse for just about everything. So uh, he can just hit the T key for a timestamp and then uh, and then key in what's happening at that particular timestamp and the audio just continues to play and so that so that he's ready then to mark the next timestamp. Now for this particular flow, he's doing some more complicated things too, like creating segments out of an audio file. And what happens with these segments is that different images get created for the different segments and this goes into kind of this uh, uh, slideshow video thing that I'm talking about. Now that's probably a bit more of a complex flow than what most podcasters are going to use. And this this segment thing is probably not that important to most. And so I've got kind of the the uh, the flexibility in my application to be able to support uh, you know the uh, different more complex flows or simpler flows to just make it to where hey I can I can drop this folder into my my Dropbox or Google Drive and and pretty much be podcast done uh, depending on how much extra, you know, do you want to do timestamps and some things like that. So th there are a few things that, that require some human intelligence. And for those things, I've got some workflow around that. Now, email is really the primary interface to say, so, you know, if, if you as a podcaster go ahead and drop a file into your, your Google Drive folder that is, is, is being monitored by my software, my software sees, okay, hey, there's, there's a new MP3 file there. And so I'm going to create a new workflow to produce this thing as a podcast. And if, if this particular podcast is configured to want to do timestamps then it sends off an email to whoever this podcast is configured to, to do the timestamps. So in a lot of cases, that is the podcaster, him or herself, right? So I would get this email saying, okay, you know, I, I've got your, I've got your audio file that you just gave me. Now here's a link to go and do the timestamps. And so you can click in, in this email on this link, and then a, a web page comes up. The audio starts playing. You could do your timestamps right there, um, or it could be that you know you, you're outsourcing that, right? You know, uh, Mister Optimize Automate and outsource. Right, you, you, you've got people that do do your timestamps for you. You can configure my software to send that email directly to them. And at this time, it doesn't do anything like you know send it off to uh, some outsourced provider or something like that. But that's something that I could add at a later time, you know, if, if that makes sense. So really, it's it's uh, it, it's a it's a workflow based system. And for those pieces that require human input, emails go out to notify the human responsible for it to come and do it. Links in those emails bring that human back 
to my website to be able to to key that information in or, or, or create it. You know, whether it's uh, transcripts that need to be created, and I've got an audio player on the transcript page as well, so that the transcriptionist can be listening to the audio in the page, not have to go uh, fire that up in some some external audio player. It's it's just playing right there with some keyboard shortcuts to be able to back up if they need to, things like that, and uh, and to and to key those things straight in. So emails going out to to relevant parties uh, with links to be able to come back to my web page to input the, the necessary information. And whenever I have adequate information to create the different pieces of, of you know, of a piece of a podcast, then my my background processing does that, and ultimately, this winds up posting a a blog post that references this this audio file, uh, which in turn creates a well. D- depending on how it's configured, the the feed itself is either either based off of that blog and it, different. Uh, uh, d- different attributes that I put onto those blog posts define whether this appears in the podcast feed, or uh, it could be that it's just using an external provider. Uh, Libsyn would be an example, um, I, and I believe your pet podcast actually uses the feed that Libsyn provides. So that once I actually upload the audio to Libsyn, then that's immediately available on on the Libsyn feed. So uh, really, it's it's a flow of you know, where human inter- intervention is necessary. There are web pages that come out of email links, and where there's not human intervention necessary. It just it just flows based on based on stuff that happens in Google Drive. Okay, so and then how do you when how do you set it up? I mean, do you just put in who the different parties are somewhere, or like is there like a form to set? How does it work when you're setting this up? Yes, I have a uh, a setup user interface, and so there's really. Well, depending on what you mean by a phase, I, I, I consider it that there are two phases to it. There's, uh, I want to set up myself as a podcaster, and then I want to set up my podcast or podcasts beyond that. So as a podcaster, I'm going to go in and say, okay, I, I'm going to configure my either Google Drive or my Dropbox. Here is my root folder for me as a podcaster, right? And then I'm going to put in some credentials for, uh, you know, say it's it's Libsyn or wh- wherever it is that I want to actually host my audio. I, I'm going to configure it so that so that the the audio winds up in those places, and uh, and and then. Um, there's there's a couple other things that that might be optional, right? I, I I might want to optionally upload videos somewhere, so I need to configure the the application for that. So th- that's that's phase one of setting you up as a podcaster is configuring those preferences that you have as a podcaster. Then phase two is going to be uh, setting up your podcast, and you could have this phase two happen multiple times because you could have uh, several blogs or I'm sorry, several podcasts. Um, so you know, if I've got three different podcasts, I would go through and set up each of those things. And setting up a podcast would say something like, okay, well, what's the name of the podcast? Where is the blog that's associated with this podcast? And where do I actually publish my, 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 my media files that, that result from this thing? And, and, and additionally, too, you're going to configure uh, what do I want to appear in the uh, ID3 tags, which is you know, that, that starts to get a little bit um, probably beyond what, what some people are really familiar with. But ID3 tags are a way of just embedding information inside of the audio files that, that, uh, that get downloaded. And uh, they're useful for, for one thing for users. If, if you're uh, looking at the attributes of a file in, in your operating system, you can see these ID3 tags. 
or um, iTunes and some of the other uh, podcast uh, reader applications will use some of these attributes to, to show some meta information in, inside of the, the application. So uh, I, you, you can configure, too, how you want ID3 tags to appear on your, your final media. And so that's something that um, it would get configured uh, on, a, on a per podcast basis. So it, essentially, I've got those steps in the setup, and I've got a user interface for that. So once you've set up your podcast, then that's done, and uh, my, my software is going to take your, your root folder that you set up as kind of your, your home base in, in your Google Drive or your Dropbox, and it's going to create subdirectories in that for each of your podcasts. And then it sets up some, some, some different folders in there for, for a few uh, documents that I, that I write out just kind of ha to have some documentation surrounding what, what has happened in your podcast. And uh, basically, that's, that's the end of of the setup. At that point, uh, I've created a directory in there for your new media, and you can just go in and drop MP3 files into that folder, and that's what triggers the flow. Now, how modular is it? Like, if you know, for me who doesn't do transcripts, like, can you just pick and choose the aspects that you want? Yes, and that's something that's still a bit of a work in progress, but I think by the time that this gets published, uh, it, it's going to be complete, uh, is, is the ability to, to pick and choose and opt in and out of, of what you want. Currently, I've, I've got it doing a, a very complex flow that, that does pretty much everything, um, but that's something that I'm working on at the moment is, is creating this configurability so that I can say, yeah, I don't want transcripts, so, so don't worry about that piece, and, uh, and that, that will get rid of the dependency for, for creating the the ultimate product on having the transcript done so and, and also well, this will do video also right yes yeah so there are two different really uh uh, ways that, that video could be incorporated. One is that a, a lot of podcasters are doing this is that they actually just have kind of the video of their talking heads uh, as, as kind of something that they share on their, their podcast episodes. So that's something that I don't have complete, but I am adding the uh, the capability of supporting uh, having a video podcast, which you know, kind of, what is the definition of podcast? You know, is it really just audio, or or you know, it, it, can you have, uh, you know, have you gone outside the definition of podcast when you're doing video? Well, you know, I don't know. I'll let somebody else be the judge of that, but. Um, so that, that's something that I'm supporting as well is, is that uh, video can be your starting point. Um, in addition, if you want to create a video off of, your, off of your podcast audio, and I've seen a lot of podcasters do this where they put a video out on YouTube that is really just a static image for the entire duration of the video, and it's just kind of their podcast logo or something like that, and all you see is just this image while you're listening to the audio. That's something that I'm generating, and if, if you do have the, the – you know, the complex flow on podcast done where you're creating segments out of this thing, then you can have a different image for each segment and kind of turn it into a slideshow video that, that's associated with your podcast audio. So that's an option. So I think both of those are video options that you can have. Okay, great. So now the software, in about three weeks or so, you're going to be speaking at the Less Doing Live event here in New York City in uh, May 1st through 3rd. And you're going to be talking about podcast automation and the software will be available at that point, right? Yes, that is correct. And until then though, where can people find out more about it? Well, we can go to podcastdone.com and uh, I have some, some resources there, some information, some, some videos about uh, what the software does, just kind of some demonstration of what's going on so that you can get an idea of what's happening with this thing. 
Great. Okay, so Dave, I'm going to ask you, though, the question that I always ask at the end of these interviews, and that is, what are your top three tips and pieces of advice from people to be more effective? Well, I'd say tip number one is that you need to upgrade your hardware. And uh, I say that as kind of a computer geek. So that, you know, it's kind of my parallel uh, to, to the human body. But uh, you cannot perform at your best if your mind is not performing at its best. And your mind can't perform at its best if your brain isn't performing at its best. And your brain can't perform at its best if your body isn't performing at its best. So take care of yourself is uh, step number one. And there are a lot of different things that that can mean, but uh, uh, primary of that is diet. So number one is, is take care of yourself by giving your body the fuel and the building blocks that it needs. Uh, number two, I'd say, is, uh, is to work in a focused manner. And uh, so that's really, uh, you know, distractions are really the killer that gets in the way of, of getting things done. So um, I'm very fond of the Pomodoro technique. And so that's something that I think you've mentioned a few times on the podcast that uh, working in 25-minute increments and getting five-minute breaks uh, in between those things, uh, it really gives you the opportunity to buckle down and focus knowing that you've got a break coming. And instead of working these marathon sessions of trying to just sit in your chair all day, it, uh, it breaks things up and uh, it really uh, gives you not only an incentive to, to make sure that you're, you're just pounding away for, for this focused period, uh, but it makes it a lot more realistic. If it, you, can, you can keep up your intensity if you're not trying to keep it up for, for really long periods of time. And uh, I guess uh, number three would be uh, listen to this dude, Ari Mizell. He knows what he's talking about. And uh, if you really want productivity, this is the place to come for it. You know, do uh, follow the recommendations for, uh, for keeping your inbox as, as your source of what it is that you need to get done. And uh, listen to all these recommendations for, for cool gadgets and tech and all this stuff. It's, uh, it's not only uh, fun, it's, uh, it's just awesome for, for getting yourself going. Well, thank you very much for that, Dave. And thank you for sharing. I I'm very excited to see the, the polished, finished version of podcast done. And I know that a lot of people listening who either have a podcast or want to do a podcast, they're going to benefit greatly from this. And hopefully we'll see a lot of them at the event in a couple of weeks. So, Dave, thank you so much. Uh, and, and where can people find out more about you in general? Well, my blog is at optimizedprogrammer.com. So I think that's that's a good place to uh, to get a little bit more information. Now it's it's mostly kind of geared towards towards the software person. So there's there's probably uh, some limit to the amount of utility for for a lot of the listeners. But uh, th there's a lot of stuff there too about uh, just you know productivity and optimization. So I, I'd say there's a little something for everybody there. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dave. All right. Thanks, Ari. Hey, it's Ari again. Thanks for listening to today's show. As I promised at the beginning of the show, I am going to tell you more about the Less Doing Live event in New York City from May 1st through 3rd. Then I will tell you how you can earn a free copy of the Less Doing More Living book. Less Doing Live is an event I am putting on with Business Research Group in New York City. We have designed this event to give you and a small group of Less Doing fanatics a personal, quality experience. We are limiting this event to 150 participants in Manhattan to make sure that I get a chance to meet and hang out with every one of you. Now, here's why this event is different. You see, most business conferences are just a series of speeches on a stage where smart speakers get up and give you tons of great information. In fact, it's usually so much that you don't know what to do with it all. But at Less Doing, our community is all about taking action. So I have designed this event to make you take action. But at Less Doing, our community is all about taking action. 
So I've designed this event to make sure you do take action because the only way to make big changes in your life is to invest in yourself. And that's not only an investment of your money because you can always earn more of that, but rather an investment of your time, which is something so precious because you can never get it back. So at this event, we're not just going to talk. On the first morning, Dave Asprey and I are going to share with you the latest cutting-edge tips on how to hack your productivity and biohack your body. But then that afternoon, it's going to get really exciting when we break down into small groups and get you into workshops to solve your biggest problems in productivity. What are the workshops going to be? They'll be designed to help you tackle the fundamental problems that stop 99% of the world from realizing their full potential. Getting your email down to inbox zero and mastering your communications with the world? Or a scheduling class where you can learn how to automate your schedule to the point where you will have a calendar working for you. Or an outsourcing class where you can learn how to get rid of 95% of the things that you shouldn't be doing on a daily basis. We're also going to have a biohacking class that's going to include nutrition and help you master your body and your life. Which one of these classes should you attend? Well, that's where my Less Doing Certified Coaches come in. Before we even let you get to the event... You have to speak to one of our coaches so that we can talk to you and see if the event is right for you. That way we can make sure that we truly help you. So to get to the event, you just need to enter your email and then register to speak to one of our Less Doing Certified Coaches in a free 45-minute coaching call where you will learn the one area of your life that you need the most help with and will get the most impact out of. Now, as a special gift to you for joining this free coaching call, I want to recognize your commitment to your productivity by giving you a free copy of the book, Less Doing, More Living. Thanks for listening.